Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the FPL Fortress, an FPL podcast. I'm Jacob. And I'm Jayang. On today's episode, we'll discuss Game Week 31, including another inspired comeback from United and Spurs hemorrhaging points once again. We'll also talk about Jesse Lingard and Kelechi Inacho's big performances that were rewarded their managers and Leeds' impressive win in Man City. And we'll wrap up the episode by looking at the best captaincy options for Game Week 32, which looks to be very promising, and answer key questions such as how to prepare yourself for Tottenham's double game week. To kick things off, let's uh, just quickly review our game week scores and any highlights of our team. So I'll start. I got a fairly respectable score of 65. I did play my wild card. Uh, And some highlights, I guess, I captained Salah, which wasn't too shabby at all. I'm not going to complain with a goal. Uh, I also own Trent for his last gap, last gasp winner, which is a very welcome 11 points. And uh, I also owned Kelechi and Acho, who somehow got himself a brace amidst a Leicester hammering by the hammers. Yeah, uh, I wasn't uh, quite, quite so good. Uh, just 56 points for me. I think uh, not having a Stuart Dallas or Jesse Lingard really hurt me. Still a bit of a green arrow, but not, not so much. Uh, I think Lingard was really the main reason, once again, for my performances, for like even having a semi-decent game week. I think without him, I, I don't know where I'd be. I don't want to think about it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. While uh, while he saved your game week, he was my demise because I, for some reason, well, I kind of got cold feet on him uh, because I saw he was playing Leicester, who were supposed to be semi-decent at defending, uh, but apparently not. Or maybe uh, Jesse Lingard is just completely unplayable. I mean, I really don't know how he does it. Uh, but anyway, uh, we should uh, let's talk about the games in chronological order. Uh, okay. And let's start with Man City 1, Leeds 2. Uh, you're a City fan, so tell us how you feel. I'm very interested in your thoughts. I mean, look, you, you never want to lose a game, especially not to a 10-man team. <laughs> but look, Leeds—they're not a bad team. They can—they can beat anyone on their day. They can really uh, take you on, uh, play. Uh, they don't just uh, retreat into their shell. They kind of try to play against you, really uh, take the initiative. And they're—they're they're a dangerous team. We saw that today, or uh, excuse me, this weekend. Um, but I think the thing we really have to remember is that uh, Pep's bigger target is going to be that that Dortmund game midweek and he's resting his key players for that I mean I think that it wouldn't have been worth it even if uh we'd won that game if we would have played you know De Bruyne Foden Mares, Gundogan for the whole 19 minutes yeah because yeah. I mean we've pretty much got the league wrapped up I think every right. reasonable projection has 99.9 percent chance of us winning um so there's really no need to to go all out in this game and risk uh, a, a worse performance midweek. That's true. That's true. And after your after your loss, it's kind of quite comical. I've seen uh, some United fans on Twitter saying the title race is back on. Like, no, it it's really okay. isn't. I mean, I I think that we would have to lose three games out of six, and they would have to win all seven. Yeah, that's just inconceivable, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but just. Stuart bloody Dallas. I I don't. How has he scored a brace against supposedly the best defense in the league? I 
And I mean, no one in their right mind would have started him against Man City away. And in fact, a lot of people had him third bench spot. And yet, and yet a large part of that group actually got his points off a bench because Pepperlet actually saved a lot of people's game weeks. Because who was benched? De Bruyne was benched. Uh, Gundo, uh No, yeah. Mars. No, no, he he came on well, for a one point. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Diaz was benched. Yes, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just you know, you, you you win some, you lose some. I think we need to uh, talk a bit about Raheem Sterling. Go on then, because <laughs> in, in the past few seasons, yeah, um, there there was o- there was always this feeling that you know he could be scoring a few more goals, but at least he really he was banging them in. Like I, I think he was our leading scorer last season. Uh-huh. He'd, he'd put up some uh, seasons right around that 20 goal mark. Uh, and, you know, you can always hope that he'd score a few more, but he was scoring quite a few. I mean, this, this year though, I don't, I don't know what's happened to him really. He's been, it feels like every single time he's on the pitch, he's the worst player there. I mean, he just does not have any idea what he's doing. He doesn't want to pass the ball. He just runs right into defenders. loses <laughs> it squanders good opportunities for us i mean he says he wants to to make as much as de bruyne's on which i believe is about three hundred fifty thousand a week not a chance with his new not a chance i mean he'd be lucky for a hundred thousand <laughs> you know i i, I quite enjoyed that because uh I, I kind of have a personal vendetta against against raheem because Last season, I, I'm in a draft league with Jacob and a couple of my other friends. Last season, I picked Sterling, first pick, and it was a disaster class. And this week, uh, this number year, number one overall. Uh, well, I oh man, I, 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 I prefer not to speak. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> no, anyway, as I was saying, and this year, I in the last 20 minutes before the deadline of blank in week 18, I decided to get him in. Lo and behold, he gets benched, he comes on before the 90th minute. And he steals a penalty off my captain De Bruyne. I mean, that's not completely that. fair because he did win the penalty. Yeah, yeah. But and then he missed it. He was, like, come yeah, on. I mean, you, if, on, you, if you take the penalty off the captain, off the off the real penalty taker, you have to score it. He didn't score. Yeah, it. yeah. I think that was. I mean, it was going wrong before that, but that was really when it started going. So right before that, right. he was on a decent run of form. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was. I think he had a a goal or an assist in like yeah 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 nine of the last eleven games, something like that. Yeah, it was uh, it was consistently taken over, but then after of, that, of late, went all down. I don't know if he's gotten a goal since then. Honestly, I, I really don't know because I mean, clearly he's not in Pep's best starting eleven because he would have showcased that in the uh, in the game against Dortmund and yeah, he's not playing the Champions League games. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, you, you you say that Sterling is uh, arguably the worst player on the pitch, but I think Jesus gives him a run a, a run for his money, don't you think? I, mean, I think. The two of them, well, liabilities. What we've been seeing about Sterling this season is what we've been seeing about Jesus every every season. <laughs> I mean, he's just a perennial uh, XG's <laughs> higher than his actual goals. I mean, he's so profligate, you know? And I, I get that he he does add a dimension to our attack when he's playing at, at his Do best, tell. you know? He he can drop into the midfield, okay. uh, create, some, create some opportunities, help with the link-up play. But... I mean, we've been accustomed to having Aguero in that position yeah. for, for almost a decade. And Jesus is, is not that man. He's a wannabe Harry Kane. And I think it speaks volumes that uh, since Aguero's announced that he's leaving the club, people are, people are flocking. Like, people are just completely 
you know, they have their eyes set on uh, City having to find a replacement. They just completely forgotten about Jesus potentially being able to step up and take up Aguero's place. But I think it's justified because I don't think he can do it. Yeah, me either. I I, I hope he can. I just don't think. I, I yeah, don't think so. yeah, I hope so as well. But, you know, time will tell. Should we talk All about right. uh, Liverpool? Absolutely. Go on then. Yeah, I mean, I think it looked really good for them against Arsenal last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. But they had an absolutely awful performance. Mm. I think one of the worst in the Klopp era, uh, mm. midweek against uh, against Real Madrid, yeah. and it, it scared a lot of people off them. Uh, I'll be honest, it scared me off of Trent. I I had him in my original wild card draft, but then I saw that I decided no, it's not worth it. I got in uh, Nat Phillips. Fair enough. Uh, and you know, didn't didn't work out. Trent got a, a very nice goal uh, in the dying yeah. dying moments of the game. Yeah, uh, it was a very nice goal. I saw it go in live and I was very excited about it because it got him three bonus points as well. But generally, uh, this Liverpool performance kind of reminded me of them from last year because last year, if you'll remember, actually, it was also 2-1 against Villa and they were losing up until, I think, at least the 85th minute and then they scored two goals and ended up winning the game. So my point here is that, uh, you know, they... Uh, you know, if judging by this game, they're they're managing to scrape out wins even from positions that seem impossible, which is definitely good to see, uh, especially as a Salah captainer. But I think we should touch on Sadio Mane because what what's happened to him? I mean, you know, it's it's been pretty similar to Sterling, to be honest. You know, I yeah. in that draft league, uh, mm-hmm. my first and second round picks were Mane and Sterling. Ouch! And I mean. You know, I was expecting they'd they'd both gotten, I think, combined for about 40 goals the previous season. They have, I think, 13 combined right now. Oh my goodness. Or wait, let me let me check that. So Sterling is on okay, Sterling's on nine. Okay. And Mane is on six, I think. Oh god. I mean seven. Okay, so sixteen goals from those two. That's I mean, it it's just Mane looks completely lost out there, honestly. Really you, does. You saw he got a came on for about 15 minutes at the end of that game. When Liverpool after Trent's goal, mm. he got a, a breakaway. Um, I was hoping, okay, maybe he can he can slot this away. It'll mm. it'll really help me in, in drafts. But he just got a, a weak effort, pretty much straight in Martinez. And yeah, that's that's really how it's been going for him all season. The thing is. Right. He he could have either pulled out a decent finish from his locker or he could have squared it to Jota. And he just did neither. I, I just mean, think I see in him a player that is desperately short of confidence. Yeah. And he's he's just trying to get a goal or two to to get back in get back in it. But every time every time you miss one of those, it's just gonna get worse for you. Yes. You yes. I think it's actually I hadn't thought about this before, but it's kind of similar to what's happened to Timo Werner at Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of, uh, should we move on to the Palace Chelsea game? Let's do it. Let's do yeah. It. So Palace won Chelsea four. I had a very, very I had an excellent time watching the first twenty minutes of that game because I think, uh, without a doubt, that was Chelsea's best twenty minutes of the entire season. Uh, we the intensity levels were off the charts. We didn't give Palace a single sniff of the ball. 
and King Kai and Captain America joining together and giving us a two-goal lead. And then Mason Mount putting in a peach of a ball onto, onto Zumaldini uh, with his this crazy vertical of his. And he pow- powers home a header and we're 3-0 up and we're just sitting happy before halftime. I think that first half performance was the perfect fusion mm. of Chelsea's uh, signings in the transfer market. They're exciting. Uh big money guys like uh, Pulisic and Havertz and also their homegrown talent like Mountain. I think that if they can keep doing stuff like that, it's going to be really promising for them as a club. You make a very, very good point. Yeah. Uh, and I, well, Havertz is coming into a bit of form, but uh, he, I believe he had three big chances and he missed all three which, you know, maybe still lacking that little bit of a clinical edge, but, uh, you know, with, with some, some of the touches that he was pulling off and some of the, some of the movement, uh, you can definitely tell that he's a very talented and a, and a very intelligent player too. Yeah, I think it's maybe a bit too early to consider bringing him into our FPL teams, but if he keeps it up a bit, maybe, maybe next season he can factor in. And and shout out to Captain America because uh, Pulisic this whole season he's kind of just been on the sidelines because because he's he's made of made of glass but uh, uh, in, in in that game against Palace he you know he he showed that showed that lo- post lockdown form that Pulisic showed us last year uh, I think Summer Pulisic could be yeah. could be a real phenomenon I think I think we should move on to West Ham who once again raced into a three-goal lead. I don't understand how this keeps happening. And then they they almost they uh, almost gave it up again. That's the third straight game yeah. that it's happened. In the first yeah. one, they lost. Uh, they went a 3-0 up. Then Arsenal came back to try a 3-3. Yeah. Uh, against Wolves, they went 3-0 up. Wolves uh, made it 3-2. Leicester, same thing. Uh, it's as long as they keep scoring three goals in the game, I dare say their results will uh, will turn out fine. But I think you know West Ham are on a mission to to destroy the nervous system of their entire fan base. I think they could be uh, destroying some of the conventional norms about the top four too. Yeah, and if they score three goals a game, I think they can do it. <laughs> yeah, and this uh, Lingard is on the topic of destroying oh, things. Lingard is his number one, making an absolute joke out of the XG model, and number two, destroying my overall rank because I didn't own it. Yeah, I mean, he has been something else. I mean, Jay Ling's Lingardino, Messi Lingard, he goes by many names, but the <laughs> same thing keeps happening. He keeps scoring goals, he keeps getting assists, and he keeps dominating teams. I couldn't believe it when I saw the goal notification. Couldn't believe my and then he scored again. And I was just sitting there. Jesus. And I was wallowing in self-pity and disbelief. Like, how could this happen? And to think that I was on a wild card and he was in my draft from the very second I hit that wild card button, right up until uh the day of the deadline. And then I took him out for Neto, who got injured in the first half of the first game, and he's now out for the season. Painful stuff, painful stuff. And I, uh, I'm i uh, pretty active on the FPL Reddit, and I actually made a post about Jesse Lingard. I outlined some of my reasons for uh, not potentially not getting in Lingard. Uh, I had five reasons. Uh, number one, Antonio is a big part of the build-up play, and Bowen is a very different type of player. But 
evidently it doesn't matter. Uh, number Maybe. two. Yeah, go on. Sorry. He just keeps destroying all logic. You can list as many reasons as yeah, you want. He's you know, going to keep doing it. You're right. I, I'm not even going to bother. And uh, <laughs> and Neto's injury actually uh, made it a very, very straightforward transfer. I just, you know, kind of had to pull the trigger on Lingard, right? Of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, we all thought West Ham were in big, big trouble when they mm-hmm. lost Rice. Mm-hmm. But they've found a way they found don't matter yeah. don't matter speaking don't matter. of uh rice and lingard should we talk yeah. about man united uh real quick though oh, kelechi sure. and Nacho deserve oh, a of shout course out. of course how could i forget he he deserves oh my goodness uh oh my goodness. i mean watch i mean uh watching that first half all hope was lost for me my overall rank was destroyed and then kelechi and Nacho pulls absolute rocket out in the second half and then he uh poached on uh in the 90th minute for a second goal brings home the 13 points snicks one bonus point off of lingard very very satisfying you know very- he's I, I, i'm pretty sure in these last few games uh starting at the the burnley game mm. through now he has more open play goals than vardy has had all season vardy has been vardy is a problem he is a very, very big problem. Oh, I, I mentioned I had Mane and Sterling in draft. Guess oh, who yeah. else I have? Jamie you, Vardy. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's, it's everything has gone wrong for me, honestly. <laughs> like if if even one of them was producing the way they've done in previous years, the way they did last year, I would be doing so so well. But they're not. Right. Yeah. That that I mean that's just plain plain bad luck. And Vardy was, I mean, I watched the game. He was absolutely anonymous. Uh, you know, people were comparing Iheanacho versus Vardy before this game week started. And in fact, Iheanacho has the better stats. Uh, you know, even if you disregard uh, price point, Iheanacho is just basically the better pick. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I was thinking about Iheanacho Vardy. And I, I went for Vardy because he was more expensive. See, that's that's that's, that's the mindset. Not, yeah, I know. I know. It's an issue. Yeah. It's an issue. All right. Should we move on to Man United? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, I, I think the story of this game is like the story of pretty much every Spurs and Man United game. I mean, this went exactly as pretty much everyone would have expected it to go. Spurs uh, get the early lead and United come back in the second half. Yeah, there is this unbelievable statistic where Spurs have lost 18 points when they were previously in winning positions. And on the contrary, United have uh, gained 28 points from losing positions. It was written in the stars. It's in the history of Tottenham, as Chiellini said a couple years ago. They're bottle jobs. Yeah, I mean... Mourinho, he's brought in to have this winning mentality, but it seems like mm. it seems like part of the problem is that Spurs get they get this one new lead. They play all right until then, yeah, and then they get scared because they don't have confidence in in themselves, in the manager, mm-hmm. and they retreat into their shell. They let the other team dominate the game, get chances for themselves, and United puts them away summed it up perfectly 
Uh, and that second half performance, it, it wasn't just that Spurs came, uh, you know, retreated back into the shell. I, we also have to give credit where credit is due to Man United because uh, they did show a very, very good performance. And and you know that something went right when Fred scores. Fred, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he he constantly tops the league in most shots taken without a goal. But this year, <laughs> this year, got he, it. He figured it out. You He's got, got it. A goal. Yeah. yeah. And uh, once again, special shout out to Mason Greenwood comes on as an impact substitute uh, assists one with a peach of a ball and scores one smashing it past Lurie's. He is easily one of the best finishers in the whole league. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's really, really, he's really bright talent for Man United in England. Mm-hmm. All right. Quick question before we move on. Sure. Should we be concerned about Bruno? Um, since game week 26, he's yeah. played six games, just mm-hmm. one goal and one assist. I, well, it's a very, very big question, isn't it? Um, yeah. If his name wasn't Bruno Fernandez, if you just gave me those stats and you didn't tell me who the player was and you had him in your team, I would say get out, get him out without a doubt. But it's Bruno. You can't. Because he's going to hurt you. People no, I know. transferred him out against uh, before the city game. He got a penalty in the first couple minutes, ten points, and it's just for me at least. I would uh, absolutely advise against getting rid of Bruno. He's just a season keeper because of that fear factor. And I know there's been a lot of conversation going on on Twitter about uh, you know trying to not adhere to you know, uh, succumbing to the pressure of uh, effective ownership. But at the end of the day, Bruno is there because he's a, he's a tried and tested fantasy asset and he, any, any second of any match, he can, you know, uh, man United can win a penalty. He can score the penalty and he can, he's also that type of player who can just produce that bit of magic. Uh, so for me, at least he's going absolutely nowhere. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I think it'll take, a few more games, probably until I, until the rest of the season. You know, I don't think there's enough games left for me to really think that there's enough evidence that it could be accumulated to take him out of the team. You know, and he's got some good fixtures. I think Fulham and yeah. Leeds next two, or Burnley and Leeds. Excuse me, yeah. he's got Fulham a bit later. I mean, I think you have to keep him in for those two. Yeah, and he's got Liverpool, Villa, Leicester. If you really don't have confidence in, in mm-hmm. him, maybe get him out for those. But I think, I think, given the body of work that he's had this season, you'd be insane to take him out. I, I would just keep. He's uh, number one for influence, creativity, and overall for the ICT index. He's owned by 60% of the game. So if he gets anything, you're completely screwed. Yeah, but if, if he gets nothing, then you're you're looking pretty good. You can take advantage of that, but that's, that's what FPL is all about. You can call it luck. You can call it skill, but it's... Logic dictates, at least in my opinion, that Bruno is a keeper. I agree. I agree. All right, I think we need to talk about West Brom Southampton. Um, <laughs> what is Big Sam? What is Big Sam doing? What magic is he about to pull off? He is doing some voodoo because I do not believe this. He has they've West Brom have turned into prime Brazil. They've scored eight goals in their last. Two matches. What? What? Like, yeah, yeah. Unfathomable. I mean, I, I don't think they'll do it. 
They have about a 97% chance to go down right now. Okay. Which is not encouraging. But there's, oh. there's still there's still a chance. And that's all that matters. Well, okay. If, if you look at the table, people were saying that Fulham had a very good chance. But if you look at the table, West Brom have a game in hand, and they're only two points behind Fulham. Yeah, but being getting ahead of Fulham isn't enough. It still needs to be ahead of Newcastle, Burnley, or Brighton. That is true. That is true. It, that's eight or nine points in seven games. That's kind of a lot. You know what? It is looking unlikely, but but we can, you know, as as people who don't really care about West Brom, we can hope that West uh, Allardyce keeps up his, uh, quite frankly, incredible record of never getting relegated from the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, could could he do it? He could. What are the odds? Very low, but he could. And we as we as soccer fans, we like to believe. <laughs> we we love to believe. All right. So I think in the podcast we're now going to talk about uh, transfers in for game week thirty two and how to pr- prepare your team for the double game week for Spurs. Very good. Okay. Uh, and we have come up with a couple of questions that we think a lot of FPL managers will want to answer. Uh, so, uh, I will rattle them off and, uh, we can discuss, uh, number one, is it too late to get in Lingard and Iannaccio? No, I think it's never too late until they, until they stop producing. It's, it's never a bad idea to get these guys in. Cause I mean, it, it, it's always going to feel like the moment that you get them in, they're going to stop producing, but mm-hmm. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like they're going to slow down. I think just do it. If let's say maybe you get one good week of them and then the rest of the season you get nothing, I think it's still worth it, you know, because they're getting a lot of points. Yeah. They're the two most informed players in, in the game right now. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to have them in your team. I think so too. You like me, for example, I, I didn't have Lingard and the day of his, uh, his brace, I swallowed my pride and I transferred in mid for a minus four. And sometimes we really just have to, we just have to suck it up because uh, every single thing they get, as previously mentioned with Bruno, it's hurting your overall rank greatly. And it, it's not even that they're bad picks and you're just picking uh, and, and you're just picking them for the sole purpose of, uh, of as like, you know, blockers to, uh, to block out any damage they might do it's they're genuinely good picks who are scoring you ge- are genuinely on fire at the moment and they're you would not bet against them to uh to not score uh any points in a game week at this rate and uh on top of that especially Ian Acho, incredible run of fixtures up ahead you just completely be a madman not to get either of them in yeah i think i think do anything you need to do to get these guys in take a hit Get some, get some players out. Do whatever mm. you need to do. Just get them in your team. Take two hits. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, moving on to our next question. How to prepare for the Spurs double game week? Well, I think, number one, you need Harry Kane. If you Absolutely. don't have Harry Kane, you're, you're, you're going to be in big, big trouble. Your yeah. rank is going to plummet, mm. and it's going to be your fault. Yeah. Um. Beyond that, um, there's a bit more uh, debate. Yeah, I think that Sun is not the worst idea. Yeah, he hasn't looked great in the past past few weeks, but he, he did get a goal against against Man United, and you know, it's a reminder to all, all of us he's he's a dangerous dangerous player. 
Yeah, fair enough. Um, and a lot of us would have uh, already have uh, Kane and Son, and it's more of a question of should we get a third Spurs player? And I don't think you should uh, because Kane and Son, every single goal that Spurs score is basically going to come through either of them. So there's no point in getting another midfielder or attacker. But Spurs defense, even though they have a double, I don't trust them because it's not a settled back line. Jose is experimenting uh, with, with his personnel back there. And uh, Larice is uh, susceptible to a couple of mistakes, uh, as are the rest of the back line. So I don't think I don't think you should invest in anybody further than just Kane and Son. Yeah, I mean, if if you want to go in the regular direction, or I don't know, maybe the Lucelso Lucas Moore direction. I don't really think those are directions at all. But if, if you want to take a punt on someone like them, then it's it's certainly an idea. But I think all you need is Kane and Son. Yeah. Yeah, it, it would be justifiable, but I think another thing that goes against them is the fact that Spurs blank in uh, in 33 the following game week. So uh, you would be forced to bench Kane, Son, and uh, a third Spurs player, and some of us even have City assets or Southampton assets who also blank. Uh, so it would just be you would be digging yourself into a problem that you would have to solve right yeah. after. That's a great point. Um, I think... I think that you need to be careful of taking hits on guys that you're going to need to take a hit, mm-hmm. hit out for because at that point, if you're if you're spending eight points on them, it, yeah. it's just so unlikely that they're gonna gonna turn any sort of profit for you. Exactly. Okay, moving on to our final question: Has the ship sailed on Chelsea defenders? I mean, it it hasn't looked great for them to be honest. I mean, conceding five goals to. A team that may or may not be relegated is never, never a good look. And you know, I think it might even be more concerning uh, what happened in the Crystal Palace game because, look, you can dismiss the West Brom game as an anomaly. Yeah, yeah. Um, before that, uh, no, I think it was two goals total had been scored on Chelsea under Tuchel, and yeah. West Brom scored five in a game. Yeah. I mean, I think that's enough of an outlier that you can right. pretty safely disregard it. But the Crystal Palace game, I mean, Chelsea absolutely dominated. Mm. They played completely uh, the way they wanted to play. Yeah. They looked really, really good. But despite that, they still let up a goal. And if you can't trust them to keep a clean sheet in such a great performance, I don't know if you can trust them. I think you make a pretty good point. Um, I know a lot of managers would have uh, doubled up or even tripled up on Chelsea defense. And it is very, very concerning that, uh, you know, uh, of late we seem quite susceptible to, you know, all it takes is one lapse of concentration from one one player. In this case, it was a, a Kante that was fresh off the bench. And the the opposition can capitalize. And just th- th- that was Crystal Palace's first shot in the whole game. Benteke capitalized and the clean shit was gone. So I and you know, on top of that, Chelsea's fixtures, we, you know, you, you would have gotten in for the West Brom and Crystal Palace games in particular. And uh, needless to say, they did not do very well in either. And going up their fixture run is, is kind of tough. You have, I have Brighton who are looking solid, although they are the, you know, the, it's the story of their season that they're underperforming their XG uh, by astronomical amounts. Uh, then you've got West Ham, 
at the rate that Lingard is performing at, uh, no chance of a clean sheet. It's a direct uh, top four tussle. It's going to be a tough game. Then you have Fulham. Uh, you can make the case that even though they're in a relegation battle, they that's going to just spur them on even further. You've got City, who can score against any single team. Uh, and then they finish off the season with Arsenal, Leicester, and Villa, who aren't pushovers either. So uh, in conclusion, I think um, one is probably enough for now. Yeah, I, I think one is all you need, maybe even more than you need, given there are really a lot of cheap defenders out there that can that can do a good job for you. I don't think that uh, you should really be stacking up on Chelsea, guys. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so that wraps things up for the uh, for the questions segment of the transfers. Uh, but what about what about in general? Uh, who should we be getting in ahead of uh, double game week thirty two? I mean, I think Lingardi and Astro mm. are the obvious choices. If you have a couple of transfers, you don't have them. Yeah. Uh, get them in one hundred percent. Simple as that. Yeah. But beyond that, I think that uh, Leicester, in general, and also Liverpool players are ones to keep an eye on. Because their fixtures just look so, so appetizing. Right. Right. And um, I think it's worth mentioning that for those of us who did wildcard going into Gimmick 31, we would have set our teams up for the long run. Uh, I even made an Excel sheet uh, detailing uh, my my wildcard drafts and the potential transfers I'd have to make down the line. Uh, So... For wildcarders, I think it would not be an illogical choice to roll the transfer because, uh, you know, it's always good to have the extra transfer in your locker, uh, especially seeing as we're, we're getting into the tail end of the season, which can often provide many twists and turns and unexpected surprises or injuries. Yeah, and if you, want, if you already have someone like Sun and you're planning on getting him out, getting him out after, after uh, 32 for the blank game leak, then yeah. it might be wise to, to roll a transfer. Yeah. Exactly. So should we look at uh captains for let's do it for the game leak? Look no further than Harry Kane. I think that's exactly correct. <laughs> I mean you you would really just you'd be out of your mind to not put the armband on him. I mean, he, he didn't look great against United. That's true. But I think there's really no need to overcomplicate this. He's the second exactly. highest, scoring, highest scoring player in the entire game. Um, he has, I believe, let me just take a look here at his stats. Yeah. It is 19 goals and 13 assists. Mm. And he's playing Everton and Southampton, neither of whom are particularly renowned for their defensive acumen. Exactly. And... I think a lot of people are going to be triple captaining him. Mm. I'm so jealous. Yeah, I I will be. That's for sure. <sighs> and I think he is the slam dunk choice. His EO could easily, well, not easily, but it could. It would not be out of the question for his EO to be over 200. percent I think it's very possible. Yeah, uh, and I don't think managers should be put off by that United performance because Kane historically has remained rather quiet in bigger games and he's completely battered the smaller teams. And that's, that's not to say Everton and Southampton are smaller, but you know, they're, they're not on United's level, certainly. And it would, well, well, 
no, I, I do have my reservations because, you know, it's hard not to not to be a bit of a cynic when you're playing an FPL because game, game week 32 is, is looks to be one of those game weeks where all the fixtures seem to be completely perfect. And, and you're looking at easily, a, uh, you know, uh, 80, 90 points for the game week. I'm just scared that uh, it's going to be a complete flop and Kane's going to blank. Son's going to blank. Uh, somebody with a uh, 2% uh, effective ownership is a random Burnley Kane. midfielder is going to get a brace, you know? Yeah. That's, you know, it's it's not the question, but uh, if 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 we're speaking on logical terms here, Kane is going to be your captain. Uh, if you're chasing uh, points, then Sun's not a bad shout at all. Um, he can, uh, you know, he can easily outscore Kane as we saw in the last double game week. And uh, if you're not into that, if you want to look into single game week, uh, there's Bruno as always. Although as previously mentioned, he isn't looking that good uh, any other options yeah i think i think if for whatever reason you either don't have kane or son don't want to take a hit on them or you're part of the jesse lingard cult you might want to might want to take a chance on him i mean on paper mm-hmm. it actually looks like a not such a bad idea he's playing newcastle who are pretty bad and they, Lingard no. has been very good with with same Max and and yeah, Wilson back, you know, yeah, you know that doesn't help them defend. That's true. I I could you know what I could see I could see Newcastle uh, using Saint Max and Wilson to actually get forward and attack, which uh, leaves space in behind for our man, our our myth, our legend Lingard. I mean, I think West Ham, if they if they've put up three goals against Arsenal, Wolves, and Leicester, <laughs> surely they can do it against Newcastle. Sure, surely, but. Sure. Uh, how much of FPL is, is, is pure luck? Uh, a large, a large percentage. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Leicester as well. They're playing West Brom. Although if, if we're to look at uh, today's result, then it might not be such an easy fixture after all. Yeah. I think we need to start thinking of the Hawthorns as Anfield. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a fortress. <laughs> it is. It is. It really isn't. <laughs> it's gonna be a championship fortress next season if we <laughs> but we can dream we can dream okay and on right. that note that's all right that's all for this episode it's like it um it's been it's been a fun episode we talked about some some good stuff captaincy game week review transfers and we hope you enjoyed it yes uh wishing everyone great success Heading into what will hopefully be a cane goal fest and wishing everyone gets a very big green arrow. See you next week.